thank you for joining me for today's Beast Watch News Update. News from the Internet's most comprehensive Bible prophecy news website, BeastWatchNews.com. I'm Kimberly Rogers Brown. Major prophecy pieces came together in the last few days with two significant events, the Abraham Accord and Kamala Harris as Joe Biden's running mate. What is the significance of the Israeli-UAE deal? Well, the answer might surprise you. Who wins? Who loses? What is the prophetic significance of the surprise announcement about Israel and the United Arab Emirates, the UAE, this past week? What does Joe Biden's choice of the radical left-wing Democrat Kamala Harris as a running mate have to do with Bible prophecy? We know what the media says, but what does Yahweh have to say? Let's start with the Abraham Accord. Trump's deal of the century took a surprising and very prophetic turn this week with the announcement of a peace treaty between Israel and the UAE. This is a big deal, huge, in fact. This peace deal is being touted as the one that will make peace throughout the Arab world. For a while, it may appear to do exactly that, but this peace deal will have far greater implications for future global war, a war the Bible says will end in Armageddon. This peace deal has just set up the world for the fulfillment of the rise of Mystery Babylon and the world viewing the Antichrist as the Messiah, Jerusalem's coming destruction at the halfway mark of the seven-year tribulation, the dispersion of Jews out of Israel, Islam bursting forth in global war against infidels and ending in bloody Armageddon. Why? How can this one event be a precursor to all of that? Because it is further evidence of the widening split between Sunnis and Shiites that will lead to global Islamic war. The UAE is leading the Sunni Arab nations into an alliance with Israel, the king of the south, that Iran, the king of the north, will destroy. The king of the north has two groups of people as enemies. One enemy is almost 1,400 years old. That's the Sunnis. Iran is the remnant of Edom through Esau's grandson Amalek and leader of the Shiite Islamic sect. This sect has spent almost 1,400 years, 1,388 years to be exact, trying to gain the Islamic succession from Muhammad. I have explained the details of this many times in the Jerusalem report. Sunnis and Shiites dislike each other intensely. The Abraham Accord formalizes relations between Iran's two enemies, Israel and the Sunni nation, the UAE, with possibly more to follow. 
The Middle East just lined itself up for a huge north-south war with Iran's 4 plus 2 coalition against Israel's southern Middle East coalition. For both Israel and the Sunni nations, this accord is not one of making peace or desiring friendship but one that justifies the old axiom, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. The UAE lies just across the Persian Gulf from Iran and views Iran as its enemy. The accord provides for Israeli military defense with the major enemy in mind, Iran. Israel Hayom sums it up this way. The willingness of the Persian Gulf states to establish ties with Israel conveys the strength and reliability of the Jewish state in the eyes of the Arab nations. This is a dramatic regional achievement. After Iran's 4 plus 2 coalition, King of the North invasion, nations like the UAE, Oman, and Bahrain, who are considering joining the Abraham Accord will then lie east of Iran's newly conquered territory, the entirety of the southern Middle East. In fact, Oman called both the Israeli and Palestinian governments to talk about getting in on the history making. Oman backed the Abraham Accord brokered by the U.S., saying the decision will contribute to fulfilling comprehensive, fair, and durable peace in the Middle East. This breakthrough with Egypt's blessing and Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan's heartwarming rage establishes the strategic axis of Israel, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Bahrain, and Oman, and in other ways also Greece and Cyprus against the radical regimes of Iran and Turkey. This Israeli-Sunni alliance could push Turkey closer to Iran and Russia until the day comes when the Shiite nations establish Daniel's 11th little horn, the coming Shiite caliphate. That won't sit well with the eastern Sunni nations whose ally, Israel, will have been destroyed by Iran. The eastern Sunni nations, that's eastern from Iran's newly conquered territory, will reach out to Turkey immediately for defense support. Israel will be gone and Iran will now be an existential and imminent threat to those Sunni nations. Turkey's response to its old Sunni allies will inflame Iran's Messiah, the Shiite Mahdi Antichrist, and Iran's 4 plus 2 coalition will go global in war through Iran's allies Russia and China who are chomping at the bit to get to America and her allies. Morocco and Sudan have also expressed interest in the treaty. The King of the North will invade their territories in North Africa 
too. These are also part of what Daniel 11 verses 40 to 45 calls the countries. Countries that did not exist in Daniel's time. The name of this new treaty is particularly telling Abraham Accord. It may be this peace treaty that the Jewish Antichrist will confirm or strengthen when he takes office. Daniel 9.27 And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. The many are the southern Middle East's and North Africa's Sunni nations, which are called the countries in Daniel chapter 11, 40 to 45. This peace treaty will be the umbrella under which the Jews will see clear their way to confirm or strengthen and enforce Judaism through Jewish law known as the Talmud. This situation will likely go straight to Judah's Israel's head, as it were. In fact, this deal probably symbolizes the crown on the Revelation 6-2 rider. Let's take a look. Revelation 6-2 And I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. The white horse represents a pseudo-religious purity, a religious idea of purity. White war horses symbolize a religiously pure conqueror. This horse and rider are against Yahweh and his people because Yahweh's people wear white garments to symbolize their purity. Garments made possible to be white through washing them in the blood of the Lamb. War and purity are nowhere found together in Scripture. Now notice that this writer wears the crown of a king that was given to him. The crown was given to him by Yahweh for the purpose of bringing an end to the world's wickedness. Yahweh has always used the nations to do his bidding in dealing with his people. The UAE and other nations signing on to the Abraham Accord are doing so at Yahweh's behest. Neither the Jews nor the Sunnis see the trouble coming, the tribulation that will come of this. Rather, they are saying peace peace. This writer is the counterfeit Messiah. He is the Jewish Antichrist. How do I know this? It's the crown. He wears only one, the one that Yahweh gave to him. Yeshua, however, wears many crowns. Revelation 19.12 This one crown is now on the head of the rider of the horse. He just hasn't mounted the horse yet. 
this one crown can now be identified through the name of the peace treaty Abraham Accord. The name appeals to Sunnis, Jews, and Christians. And for the Shiites indicates that the Sunnis, Jews, and Christians are the only children of Abraham, which leaves out the Shiite connection to Abraham. You can see how this name will cause a problem for the Shiites, and the Shiites will fight back. Esau knows he is related to Abraham and believes he is the rightful heir to the promised land. Notice also that the writer's bow has no arrows. The bow without arrows symbolizes political victory. This writer is taking over the earth using politics and ideologies, communist ideologies to be exact. That is exactly what the U.S. and Israel, the second beast of Revelation 13, are doing. Together, they are politicking Israel into global supremacy. This writer goes forth conquering and to conquer. This is similar language to the king of the north who goes out conquering and utterly to make away many. Each Antichrist, the Jewish one first and the Shiite one second, has the same agenda to conquer and subdue the entire earth under their religion. And I just said earlier that for the Jews, the Abraham Accord is just the umbrella agreement needed to bring Judaism to bear on the earth. Now, don't expect the Antichrist to announce that this treaty will only last seven years. That number is in the prophecy because it was decreed by Yahweh. He has decreed, according to Daniel 9, 24, 25, 26, how many years it will take to clean up his people and punish the nations. And without getting too technical, the 69 weeks of years have passed. Only one week of years or seven literal years remain. The Antichrist will tell the world when he takes office, or i.e. he confirms or strengthens. The Hebrew word there is Gabar, Strong's H1396, that this is the peace the earth has been waiting for and all the nations must adhere to it. The Jewish Antichrist riding the white religious horse carrying the political bow without arrows and wearing only the one crown called the Abraham Accord will affirm that he is the king of Israel everyone has been waiting for and that he will now rule during the 1000 year world to come. He and his sons, who he will claim are from the line of David, and that term world to come is Judaism's term for the millennium. This 
horse and rider heralds the first half of the seven-year tribulation, the mechanism by which Yahweh will not only clean up his people, but will remove any claim to his throne that any Messiah may think he has, whether he's Jewish or Edomite. According to a joint statement about the Abraham Accord, Israel and the UAE will exchange embassies and ambassadors, and they plan to sign bilateral agreements regarding investment, tourism, direct flights, security, telecommunications, technology, energy, health care, culture, and the environment and other areas of mutual benefit. Already, everyone is giddy that there is now a direct phone line between the UAE and Israel. Netanyahu has said the UAE deal, which is based on strength, will yield true peace with the Palestinians. On Sunday, Netanyahu heralded what he described as a new doctrine of a strong Israel that would seek peace with Arab nations rather than conditioning ties on first ending the conflict with the Palestinians by withdrawing from that territory. This historic change will also advance peace with the Arab world and, in the end, peace, true peace, monitored, secured with the Palestinians as well, Netanyahu said. It is different from those that preceded it in that it is based on two principles, peace for peace and peace through strength, Netanyahu said. Under this doctrine, Israel is not required to withdraw from any territory, and together the two countries openly reap the fruits of a full peace, investment, trade, tourism, health, agriculture, environmental protection, and in many other fields, including defense. Of course, he said, of course, Mutual military support is always included in treaties. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard so many repeats of the word peace in any speech by any world leader? Netanyahu spits the word out like pennies from a frog's mouth. Revelation 16.13 said, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Ah, three nations, three unclean spirits, the United States, Israel, and the UAE. This is all good for Israel, but the Palestinians don't like it. Read between the lines. Negotiating a peace deal with an Arab nation who has been an ally of the Palestinians without having first made peace with the Palestinians is a huge coup for Israel. This peace was not achieved because Israel weakened by withdrawing to the 1967 lines, Netanyahu said. It was achieved because Israel strengthened itself, there's that word, gabar, by cultivating a free economy and military and technological strength. Oh, no arrows, but we have the bow, military and technological strength, free economy, strengthening 
We have the rider with the bow and no arrows, and he continues, and by combining these two strengths to achieve unprecedented international influence. They are climbing the political ladder, folks. The new doctrine, Netanyahu said, is in complete contradiction to the perception, until a few days ago, that no Arab country will agree to make formal and open peace with Israel before an end is achieved for the conflict with the Palestinians. The end of the conflict with the Palestinians will be the Gog-Magog War. In effect, this mistaken concept gave the Palestinians a veto over achieving peace between Israel and Arab countries, said Netanyahu. It is precisely the expansion of reconciliation between Israel and the Arab world that is likely to promote Israeli-Palestinian peace, Netanyahu said. I see additional countries joining the circle of peace with us. Let's go to Daniel 9.24 when we find that reconciliation is one of the areas that Yahweh promises to his people will be fulfilled, will be cleaned up. This Abraham Accord is not the reconciliation of Yahweh, but the Jewish Antichrist's mimicry of it. And no, I am not saying Netanyahu is the Antichrist. There is another man who will fill this role, but it appears that possibly Benjamin Netanyahu is his false prophet. We will only know for sure on the other side of this conflict. According to Jewish Telegraph Agency, the Palestinians just lost a lot. Not only did they see their enemy sign another diplomatic accord without promising them anything, they also feel sold out by a country that was supposed to have their back, in the words of veteran Palestinian diplomat Hanan Ashrawi. For decades, Arab countries united around the idea that Palestine must be liberated and Israel was not to be tolerated. Decades ago, as Israel continually proved its staying power and made strides toward peace with the Palestinians, Arab states began seeking an accommodation with the Jewish state as long as the Palestinian issue was solved. And now, the reason for all this fanfare over peace, over peace, and over peace. Netanyahu said Israel has also achieved an unprecedented international influence by steadfastly opposing Iranian aggression in the region and its efforts to obtain nuclear weapons. The unprecedented international influence is changing the world because Jerusalem is changing from Jerusalem, Yahweh's holy city, to Mystery Babylon, the global capital of Egyptian mystery religions mixed with Babylon's imperial king-worshipping government. In Mystery Babylon, you will worship like the king in those Egyptian mysteries. 
and you will worship the king of Israel, who is also the Antichrist, the one who will kill you for upholding Yeshua as God and rightful king of Israel. Not everyone is praising the new accord. The Conversation.com says the normalization of diplomatic ties between Israel and the United Arab Emirates has variously been described as a breakthrough and an important staging moment towards a comprehensive Middle East peace. These conclusions are at best premature, says the Conversation.com. Normalization of relations between Israel and an important Gulf state is a highly significant development whose fallout is unpredictable, it says. What seems clear is that the UAE initiative will further deepen a regional divide. That's the divide between the Sunnis and Shiites. In the Middle East, historic shifts rarely take place without unforeseen consequences. Israel's pledge not to go ahead with the annexation of one-third of the West Bank and the Jordan Valley for the time being will be cold comfort for the Palestinians. Now, let's look at Iran's reaction. The UAE has been quick to let Iran know that this agreement is not directed at Iran. Rouhani said the UAE had made a huge mistake in reaching an agreement to normalize ties with Israel and called it a betrayal by the Gulf state. The Abraham Accord provides muscle flexing by the Trump administration to show Iran that it needs to bow down to U.S. pressure if it wants relief across the region. One reason the Abraham Accord came about is because the Gulf countries recognized that Israel was one of the few powers that can challenge Iran, according to Zaki Hanegbi, a minister in Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's office. Furthermore, the Abraham Accord further sets up the Gog-Magog War. Annexation has been temporarily taken off the table. Israel's Jews can't have peace with their Islamic Sunni neighbors while threatening to take all of Israel for themselves. But Iran has a piece of the Israel pie through being an ally of the Gazans and the Palestinians. In fact, Iran provides support and munitions to both Hamas and Islamic Jihad in Gaza as part of its resistance front forces and also supplies the Palestinians in the West Bank with munitions. And I have said that Iran, that's Persia in Ezekiel 38.5, will attack Israel by coming into Israel not as an ally of the United States, Gog, but as Gog's enemy. The king of the north will attack the U.S. and Israel while they are busy fighting with the Palestinians and Gazans at some future point, whose weapons have been supplied by Iran. 
Israel backing away from annexation of the West Bank provided the inroad to the Abraham Accord, but it won't stop Iran from arming the Gazans and Palestinians to foment an internal war against Israel. Interestingly, Trump keeps saying annexation is off the table altogether, while Netanyahu keeps saying annexation is only temporarily on hold. The annexation issue will continue to resurface through this process, and it will be this issue that sparks the Gog Magog War halfway through the seven-year tribulation. At this point, we don't know which side the U.S. will be on, Israel's or the Palestinians. If the U.S. is amenable to the coming annexation, Gog, the U.S., will attack the Palestinians on Israel's side as Israel's ally. But if the U.S. tries to stop Israel... There will be a war between the U.S. and Israel while Israel tries to oust the Palestinians into Jordan. According to Times of Israel, the news about the Abraham Accord provides a welcome distraction from the coronavirus problems in Israel. The UAE-Israel deal has not yet even formally been consummated, but we have already entered the honeymoon period. After endless domestic political deadlocks and months of a pandemic and collapsing economy, Israeli media is understandably delighted to be reporting some good news, and the coverage is downright giddy, thanks in part to interviewees in the UAE itself mirroring the Israeli delight. The Abraham Accord makes at least two political winners of Donald Trump and Benjamin Netanyahu in their current ongoing troubles. Trump needed a boost in the polls and relief from the controversies surrounding him. The evangelicals have come to his rescue once again. According to jpost.com, there was a belief by several top evangelicals that supporting an immediate annexation could have harmed Trump's re-election campaign. If violence erupted in the form of a third intifada, read Gog Magog War, if Jordan or Egypt broke their peace treaties with the Jewish state, or Israel faced harsh international sanctions or was put at risk in another way, then annexation could have appeared to be just another reckless move by the president. This evangelical ideology influencing Trump comes from a misunderstanding of Yeshua's words. Joel Rosenberg said in this J Post article, Evangelicals want Israel to be safer, stronger, and more peaceful, not necessarily bigger. A lot of people think they know what evangelicals want. There are all of these conspiracy theories about why evangelicals support Israel. 
But while most evangelicals believe that Bible prophecy indicates that one day Israel will have all the land that was promised to Abraham in the Bible, what evangelicals want is what is best for Israel, and their faith dictates that peace is what Israel needs most. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus told the Christians. The Apostle Paul said that if possible... So far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Every day, evangelical Christians around the world pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The doctrine of world peace at all costs, the Christian false doctrine that says Christians get to go to heaven while the Jews inherit the promised land, plays right into the Antichrist's hands. Yeshua also said to be wise as a serpent, though harmless as a dove. In Matthew 10:16, evangelicals are unwise to pursue this peace without understanding the difference between modern Israel and biblical Israel. Biblical Israel was created with the premise that there would always be 12 tribes in Israel and that all 12 tribes will inherit that land. Nowhere in scripture is the idea that some of Yahweh's people will inherit heaven while others inherit the land of Israel. Nonetheless, Trump has won back his evangelical electoral base in this election year. Will it help him win the election? We will know by November. For now, however, Trump and Netanyahu, the two peas in the pod, are happy at the moment. The Jewish Telegraph Agency says this Abraham Accord makes Trump a winner in an election year. Since his first presidential campaign, Trump has promised to deliver a peace deal for Israel and has expanded effort into reaching an Israeli-Palestinian accord to no avail. Though this isn't the deal he initially wanted, now he can legitimately claim credit for helping achieve a historic Israeli treaty. In Trump speak, this is a clear win and it's a boon for Jared Kushner a top advisor and his son-in-law who has succeeded here after failing to secure an Israeli-Palestinian peace deal and drawing criticism for his management of the coronavirus response. It's also helpful for Trump in an election year in a campaign where Israel has come up repeatedly. Trump can position himself not just as a staunch ally of the Netanyahu government, but as a regional peacemaker. It's not likely to shift votes, though. Trump voters already see him as pro-Israel and probably haven't changed their mind, while those who oppose the incumbent generally dislike him on issues that range far from the Middle East. So let's take a look at the American election. A strong evangelical base may not be enough to keep Trump in office. He may have to stay in office through delaying the election. We will have to wait and see. However, 
Never in the history of the United States has there been such an election. This is not an election between Republicans and Democrats, between the right and the left this time. It is an election over Kabbalistic religious communism and atheistic communism. The gap between the left and right has never been wider. There is no need for me to hash and rehash Kamala Harris's communist ideology. The right is doing a good job in the mainstream media laying out her communist agenda. She and some media pundits say Harris is a socialist because that term scares Americans much less than out-and-out communist. Epoch Times says America is in a struggle between freedom and totalitarianism. They don't get it. Freedom is gone. The struggle is between two communist ideologies. I heard Laura Ingram refer to this struggle as the neo-Bolshevik revolution. She is right, but even she doesn't understand that the Republican right is one of the communist factions. The Republicans are in the grips of Christian evangelicalism, an ideology with a force great enough to cause the rise of Jerusalem as Mystery Babylon. President Trump has led the way for the religious neo-Bolsheviks to start the process. I'm not sure if he is even needed for this fight any longer. It is possible it has taken on a life of its own and that no matter who wins, the religious communists or the atheist communists, Jerusalem will rise as Mystery Babylon. Now you may say that Biden is religious. He's a Catholic. A lot is said in the media about how important the church and God are to him. Well, let's look into this. Being Catholic is a cover for Biden. He touts the idea that America needs to include Islamic education for our children in schools. Biden said he wants schools in the U.S. to teach more about Islam and claimed that there is an unconscionable rise in Islamophobia under the Trump administration. I wish we taught more in our schools about the Islamic faith, Biden, a Catholic, said during his video remarks played at the Million Muslim Votes Summit organized by the Muslim American Political Action Committee, Engage Action. I wish we talked about all the great confessional faiths. Islam is one of the great confessional faiths. What people don't realize is we all come from the same root here in terms of our fundamental basic beliefs. I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity for being engaged for committing to this action in November. Last November 3rd, 2019, Biden was refused communion at a Catholic mass because Biden is pro-abortion, which is against Catholic faith. 
His faith doesn't really mean that much to him. It simply provides a religious ruse for those religious people who are still clinging to liberal leftist communist politics. The left's communism is for the outright murder of babies. This is where Kamala Harris stands as well. In fact, she and Biden together form a strong left communist ideology of atheism and death against the right's communist religious agenda, which says Israel is for the Jews and that Christians must agree to this. The common element between the two communist factions now seeking election is Islam. Trump's Republican right sees Islam as an asset, while Biden's Democratic left sees Islam as an asset. On this, both communist factions are on the same page. Thus, both have the potential to lead the world to mystery Babylon, Jerusalem, with its new Abraham Accord made with Sunni Islamic nations. I've said this before and will say it again. It won't matter who wins. Yahweh has this. Everything will come about just as he decreed before the foundation of the world, which he told Daniel in chapter 9, verse 24, and it will all be in his timing too. What the U.S. is about to go through is not just an election. It's a brawl, a social rearranger, a new normal narrative across the globe where this same situation is playing out in other nations too. This fight between the two kinds of communism is happening everywhere. New Zealand and Ethiopia have beaten Trump to the punch with election delays using COVID-19 as the excuse. The two factions of the communist New World Order are struggling to win the communist fight while the new normal takes hold everywhere on the earth. Folks, This isn't just America's choice in this election year. It is the entire world's choice. Now let's take a look at COVID's two war fronts. While the communist New World Order folks battle each other for Kabbalistic Jewish Marxist supremacy or atheist communism, the war between the governments and their people continues via COVID-19. Those are the two war fronts between each other and between the governments and their people. In fact, COVID is providing distraction and cover for the embattled New World Order on both fronts because COVID information is so muddled and chaotic. The coronavirus is a perfect smokescreen keeping the global John Doe from seeing through to what is really going on, which is a social readjustment into the new normal. 
In Dr. Mercola's article titled, Is COVID-19 a Sinister Social Engine Horse? We learn that the U.S. government is planning to launch an overwhelming COVID-19 vaccine campaign in November. Dr. Mercola got this information from reputable news agency Reuters. It's still unclear exactly when a vaccine will be available, but it could be as early as October or as late as January 2021. Yale University, though, is studying the effectiveness of various messages about vaccinating against COVID-19 to to ensure maximum vaccine uptake. They have to do this because they have to keep from making it mandatory. The mark of the beast has to be voluntary. According to a White House administration official, the advertising campaign will be tailored to specific subsets of the population, depending on the people the vaccine is likely to benefit the most. Here is how the Trump administration will try to shame you into getting the vaccine. The personal freedom message, a message about how COVID-19 is limiting people's personal freedom and how society, by working together to get enough people vaccinated, can preserve its personal freedom. Economic freedom message, a message about how COVID-19 is limiting people's economic freedom and how society, by working together to get enough people vaccinated, can preserve its economic freedom. In other words, take this vaccine and then you can buy and sell. Self-interest message, a message that COVID-19 presents a real danger to one's health, even if one is young and healthy, and how getting vaccinated against COVID-19 is the best way to prevent oneself from getting sick. Community interest message, a message about the dangers of COVID-19 to the health of loved ones. The more people who get vaccinated against COVID-19, the lower the risk that one's loved ones will get sick. Society must work together and all get vaccinated. Economic benefit message. A message about how COVID-19 is wreaking havoc on the economy and the only way to strengthen the economy is to work together to get enough people vaccinated. Guilt message. A message is about the danger that COVID-19 presents to the health of one's family and community. Thereby, the best way to protect them is not only by getting vaccinated, but to get society to work together to get enough people vaccinated. Then, a test question asks the participant to imagine the guilt they will feel if they don't get vaccinated and then spread the disease. Embarrassment message. A message is about the danger of that COVID-19 presents to the health of one's family and community. The best way to protect them is to get vaccinated and by working together to make sure that enough people get vaccinated. 
Then it asks the participant to imagine the embarrassment they will feel if they don't get vaccinated and spread the disease. And then an anger message. This message is about the danger that COVID-19 presents to the health of one's family and community. The best way to protect them is by getting vaccinated and by working together to make sure that enough people get vaccinated. If it then asks the participant to imagine the anger they will feel if they don't get vaccinated and spread the disease. Trust in science message. A message about how getting vaccinated against COVID-19 is the most effective way of protecting one's community. That vaccination is backed by science. If one doesn't get vaccinated, that means that one doesn't understand how infections are spread or you are the one who ignores science. Um, this is more than trust in science message. This is you are ignorant message. And finally, the not brave message. A message which describes how firefighters, doctors, and frontline medical workers are brave. Those who choose not to get vaccinated against COVID-19 are not brave. The primary outcome measures willingness to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Secondary outcome measures include the participants' confidence in the vaccine, their willingness to persuade others to get vaccinated, their fear of those who have not been vaccinated, and the level of social judgment of those who choose not to vaccinate. Evidence that technology is gaining ground and is in the final stages of implementation are all around. Technocracy is an economic system, not a political one, which hinges on the skillful implementation of social engineering. And now Dr. Mercola is being harassed for bringing you information that you need to make an informed decision to avoid the vaccine. CSPI, the Center for Science in the Public Interest, is now urging the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and the Federal Trade Commission to bring enforcement proceedings against Mercola and his companies for their unlawful disease claims that falsely and misleadingly claim to treat, cure, or prevent COVID-19 infections. CSPI President Dr. Peter Lurie, a former FDA Associate Commissioner, claims Dr. Mercola is profiting from the pandemic through anti-vaccine fear-mongering and reporting of science-based nutrition shown to impact your disease risk. According to Lurie, Mercola brazenly has claimed that many of his products are coronavirus treatments or cures, including vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, selenium, molecular hydrogen, licorice, and other substances. Besides profiting from the pandemic, Mercola has seemingly advised people to contract COVID-19 after taking supposedly immunity-boosting supplements, which of course 
he sells. Making matters worse, Mercola is a leading proponent of anti-vaccine conspiracy theories and has been fear-mongering against prospective COVID-19 vaccines even before such vaccines are available. Pfizer slash BioNTech is expecting a review in October, which will allow them to manufacture 100 million doses by the end of the year, despite the alarmingly low 50% effectiveness rate required to qualify and the fact that one-third of participants experienced these unpleasant symptoms. The FDA has stated a COVID-19 vaccine must be at least 50% effective to qualify for approval. In other words, the standards aren't particularly high despite the concern COVID-19 supposedly poses. Well, folks, the world is in the midst of a change that will kill us unless Yeshua returns to save us. Come quickly, our king. That's it for this Beast Watch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.